Hello. Welcome to the Mythology and Marksmanship Podcast. I'm Morgan King, and today I'm by myself, but uh, I wanted to take a minute to answer a pretty good question that I got here, and uh, I think a lot of people have um, similar questions to this um, related to, to kestrels and wind. So, if you're interested in that, this is an episode for you. Um, by the way, thanks guys for um, tuning in. Um, a lot of people seem to be enjoying the podcast. Thank you guys for um, the questions. Um, people are asking me for the turret label file, and uh, I've been I tried to get back to everybody. If I've missed somebody, um, let me know. Um, if you hit me up on Instagram about it, it, it doesn't work because I can't send the file over Instagram. Um, the best way to get um, to get it is through Facebook Messenger. Then I can just send you the file direct real easy. I've got it basically set up in my phone to where I can just send it really fast. So that's the best way to get it from me. Um, because like I say, Instagram will not allow me to send the file that way um and honestly uh doing it in an email where i gotta go type your email in and then do that it's just way easy if you just do it on messenger and then i can just send you the file direct just immediate so that's the best way um to do it um but yeah so thanks for listening uh had a question about um, this Kessel thing um, came in uh, from my buddy uh, Mindigas. Um, he's from Lithuania. Uh, we shot together at the uh, at the um, World Championships. Um, what has it been? Two months ago in France. Uh, had a good time. I shot after him. He helped me out with some good wing calls, and uh, he was just a pleasure to shoot with. And so. When he sent this question over, I thought, you know what, I owe him a solid, so I uh, may as well do a podcast on it, and uh, honestly, it's a, a great question. So, it says, Kestrel recommends measuring a wind from from the ballistic screen view using the capture feature. It measures wind's average speed over a period of time high or and high gusting values or something like that. And he has he's obviously questioning that too because he's got a question mark in that one. So and it says as well as direction of wind in relation to target if captured correctly. I have noticed during the worlds that you measured the wind using weather mode of the Kestrel, which measures minimum, average, and max values. Why? And he says on which. Of, well, let's start with that question. So the Kestrel. If you use, so what he's talking about is if you have your Kestrel, which I've got my Kestrel here, um, if you hit, if you capture the direction of the target properly, and then you turn into the wind and scroll down, so if you're on target and you hit capture, and then, and you capture that, um, uh, that direction, so the capture button is the button with little, it's the top middle button with a little red dash in it. And then you, and then you, so you capture the direction, and then you turn your Kestrel, and if this is 
this is assuming that your kestrel's direction is calibrated properly. You turn into the wind and point your kestrel into the wind, and then you hit capture when you're highlighted on wind. And that'll start capturing um, the wind speed and direction relative to your target direction. And that's great and all, but uh, it this is again assuming that that kestrel the the uh, compass is um, properly capturing the correct direction and then also um, now it's using and I don't know the the thought process be, behind the way that they get it but I'm assuming that it's using average like a low average and a high average so it's not going to go it's not going to go to the extreme and it's not going to go to the minimum uh, of that and it's probably right in the middle so I so the problem I have with that is I have to sit there and hold capture the capture menu open for quite a long time um, so that it can acclimate to what the wind is is doing and I think it probably does a decent job um, but the trouble is is I don't get to see what the actual wind speed is so I'm not getting a real-time live view of what the actual wind speed is I'm just getting what it wants me to hold for well well it does give you the mile per hour um, that it's that it's a uh, if you click enter on it it'll give you the mile per hours uh, that it's put inputted but I just don't have the control um, over the inputs that I want so it, it's like a lot of times I like to have, I, I like to run on more than just two wind brackets and the wind changes so much in the time that, uh, that you, uh, capture from when, from then till, uh, when you end up shooting a stage that, that you want to have multiple options written down and you want to, and you want to see what happens. I like to see what happens um, to my wind um, holds um, from v a variety of different options. So, meaning I'll write down for sometimes five different wind brackets, even on a one target stage, you know, just so that I know, like, hey, you know, the, the Kestrel read anywhere from two miles an hour to ten miles an hour um, from right to left, and that means I hold zero to four tenths and the target is five tenths wide that gives me a lot of comfort knowing that the maximum so the average is somewhere around four or five but the maximum that it could be possibly is four tenths the minimum it could possibly be is zero that means i can put that five mile an hour average or whatever or four mile an hour average d directly in the middle which is two tenths or something or even a tenth directly in the middle of that target and feel very confident uh, which I would end up putting two tenths in the middle in that case because then I know that both extremes are on the plate uh, and that and that's what they call bracketing a target meaning meaning that uh, any possibility that I can see uh, that I've seen is accounted for on the plate Yes, I might in this case because the average wind speed is a little lower um, 
then or it the is probably it's probably only a tenth tenth and a half instead of two tenths. But I've got all the extreme but holding two tenths, um, yeah, it puts might might mean I hit upwind a half a tenth or a tenth on the first shot. But I know that uh, essentially there's no possibility of of missing in my mind. Like it gives me a lot of confidence on that first shot and I'm able to use the entire plate. So that's one of the things. And so in the in the weather mode, so I I use target card as well, which you can also capture wind in target card. Um, and if you guys don't know what target card is, play with that. Look up some stuff on 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 Google it and read about it. Uh, it's just basically where you can input multiple targets um, into your Kestrel, and you can also input up to like thirty or 40 stages in your Kestrel. So I put all the stages in the day before um, the match. Um, so all the stages with all the ranges, I put them in. Then all I have to do is update the direction of fire and update the wind when I get to each stage. Um, and then tweak the range as needed. Um, that, that just saves you some time. So anyway... So what I like to do is is from the ballistics menu, if you double click the light button, just really fast, double click it, it's like changing tabs on your computer. Instead of having to go back and then and then switch between weather, ballistics, and easy mode in the you know, in the basically what I like to call it's like your home screen. Because you got a home so I like to think of the Kestrel with a home screen and then um, three different tabs and the tabs are weather ballistics or tabs or windows shall we call it so you got a home screen which and then you have weather ballistics and easy um, tabs but they call them modes which essentially they are windows let's call them windows anyways but because easy we don't really use it in this context, so just forget e easy even exists. But ballistics mode, you uh, from ballist from the ballistics menu, to, or even if you're on easy, you can only have one ballistic, um, basically one ballistics uh, mode up, and that's either easy or ballistic. So if you're on the ballistic screen, if you click the light button twice, that'll jump windows over to the weather mode, and then. If you double click on the weather mode, or when you're in weather mode on the light, it'll jump you back to ballistic. So you can quickly go back and forth between them. And so what I like to do is go, if you, so when you're in ballistics mode, most people, because they don't uh, know how to change settings in their Kestrel or don't mess with it or just don't care to do it, um, they, when they double click on the light or go into weather mode, all it's going to say is time and date at the top of the screen with the time and the date, and then settings with the enter sign by it. So that's because within the uh, ballistic, or within the uh, um, within the uh, let's call it the uh, weather menu, there are several tabs, and you can close these tabs, but you have to do it in the in the uh, um, in the home screen. So. But and I'll tell you how to do that in a minute. But the first thing I um, so to scroll between tabs, you just use up or down key, 
if you just scroll down it'll go to direction then wind speed and that's where i like to be not crosswind not headwind or anything like that i just want to be in wind speed so uh and then it'll say when you see that it'll just have the uh wind speed thing so now you're on the right wind speed tab right in the in the weather um window so now now you've got a cup now you got three different screens you can see within there and the first one is the live mode which is what you're probably most likely it's the default one that it's on if you scroll to the right or the left um i usually go from left to right like we read so let's go to the right that's going to bring up um, it'll say average or minimum average and max and that's the screen that I I use but then you can go over and it says data and you don't that doesn't really like, that's not really useful for us so let's go back to that so the live just that'll show you what the live wind speed is so a lot of times what I'll do is I'll hit go into the wind speed and it'll say clear at the bottom or, or it'll say my it'll have three um nothing in there and it'll say start you hit enter and then and then it'll say stop at the bottom um and but i i i'll just let it sit up here and a lot of times i like to get like a at least 30 seconds but most of the time i like to get a a one minute to two minute um average reading um here and i like to do it when it's when the wind is representative of what i think that it is so like I don't want to be in like this little lull and I don't really want to be in this high. I want to be when the wind's moving. So while it's getting this average, I might scroll over to the, back to the left to see um, the live wind speed. And I just like to see that just so it's my information. So I know when I feel this wind at this location at this time um, that what, what say 5 miles an hour feels like or 15 miles an hour feels like what it sounds like you know just to know and then I'll scroll back over and then when I'm done I'll hit stop and then I'll look what it says and it'll say okay it'll say minimum my average and my max but I'll sit there and I'll and I'll be feeling and and go off of that and I and I just it's more of like okay I just use my my I just use my own judgment to kind of come up with a lot of it yeah I'll be like okay the average is 7 miles an hour but my max was 12 and my minimum was four and i'm pro that 12 might have been just an anomaly right but a lot of times in that scenario i would probably write down a four seven and and a ten maybe maybe i write write a five a pro, and most likely i probably write a five seven nine and an eleven uh down and and uh and that's just me now uh, a lot of times since I'll use, I will capture the direction of the target, but I like to manually sometimes input that in the Kestrel based on what I think. Because a lot of times, yeah, the wind might be going a direction where you're at, but the terrain might dictate that the direction out and down the range is actually different. So the average direction that, that the wind is, um, is going while your bullet is in flight might be a little bit different and you might want to update it differently like if it, if it, if where we're standing it's more of a more of um coming from one o'clock but i actually think once it gets um and that's just because i think maybe it's just blowing up over the ridge that i'm standing on and and but when it gets out in the middle of the canyon 
it's more coming with the direction of the canyon, which say is 2 o'clock. I'm going to put 2 o'clock in, even though I measured the wind at this 1 o'clock direction. So sometimes I just I do that. And I feel like I get a lot more control over over my wind input, if that makes any sense. So instead of letting the Kestrel just make the decision for me, say say I had all the time in the world and I had my, my Kestrel sitting in my weather vane and I had a HUD next to my rifle and I just had the Kestrel um, live updating the wind as I'm shooting, maybe in that scenario I may uh, just, that's where I think that might shine. Because now all of a sudden it's giving this live scenario. So if you're doing um, different types of shooting where you can have that going, and a HUD is a is a heads up display that you can buy that links to your Kestrel, and so it'll show you the live reading of your wind, and you can have it connected to your gun, and so you can be sitting there watching that. I I, I don't know. I don't know that that's a that that's the best way to do it. In my opinion, I like to have. Um, I like to be the one making the decision, um, whether that's good or bad, whether I hit or miss, instead of having an electronic device decide for me, like this is the wind call. I want to get an idea of the entire, so to sum it up, I want to get, I want to see everything that's going on that I, and, and be able to, to match feeling and, and peripheral sense, sensory information with, um, what it actually is on the Kestrel so then I know okay this is what this feels like in that so I can match that or this is what this looks like because I might be looking through my spotter and trying to see what the gusts look like or the lulls in the mirage and in the in everything else so I know what that is then I also want to know what that means as far as like okay how much wind or how much uh how much do I need to hold when it's doing this and then I want to know okay and then I want to I want to be able to put numbers to feelings and I also and so I want to have like each different scenario represented and that might be mean that I have multiple brackets written down. So I hope that answers that part of the question. That was probably a long-winded answer um to it. Yeah, super long-winded answer actually. <laughs> but uh anyways, so now he's got another question that says on which of those um um, do you get your elevation, including aerodynamic jump? So that's that's another reason why I like to input it myself because if the Kestrel's reading a lull and that's what I go off of for my or or a high and that's what I go off of for my dope, um, that's not going to be right. So I like to uh, input it myself. So wind one, whatever you whatever input you have for wind one is where you, is what will uh, determine the crosswind jump. So, or the aerodynamic jump. Uh, so, I like to put about a low average. Usually it's a low average for me uh, in there, or average. It doesn't matter. Just one of the two. It's just, it's not a huge deal. The difference between four and seven miles an hour is not a huge thing. Uh, the difference between seven and, and 15 miles an hour is a big thing. Or not a huge thing, but it's it's bigger, you know. You're going to be rounding um, down in one and and you're going to be a full tenth up, or a full tenth and a half. So you'll be, basically you'll be about 0.07 in one, and you'll be 0.05 or, or 0.15 in the other. 
um, is about what crosswind jump is. It's about a tenth per 10 miles an hour. Essentially, for the guns that we shoot, that seems to be, uh, that seems to track really well. Um, you have to make sure that, that your aerodynamic jump is set properly. And how do you do that? Well, that's another, uh, it's another uh, little deal. It's a hidden gem in this thing. So how do you do that? Well, you got to go to your gun profile. And then you got to scroll down until it says bullet diameter or BD. Click enter on BD. And then it'll have open up units and bullet length or BL. Click enter on BL. And then it'll have another thing that sa it says units and then auto calc. And the units are in inches or centimeters or whatever it is that you use. And then it'll say auto calc on or off. Most people, if it because it comes default from the factory in on. Okay. You don't want that. You want it off. Okay. So you need to turn it off. And then you need to go back and you need to input the correct bullet length. If the auto calc feature is on, even if you have the proper bullet length in, it overrides the bullet length input that you put in. And it comes up with its own auto um, calculation of what, what the length of your bullet should be. And it bases it, if I'm not mistaken, off of a 175 grain Sierra Match King 30 or a third, yeah, a 308 175 grain um, Sierra Match King. So, and it'll basically, so whatever board diameter you put in, it will, it'll make the bullet length proportionate to that bullet. So, since our bullets are long and slender, that's probably, it's not going to be the right thing. It's basically, it's shortening up your bullet to like an inch. And most of ours are like an inch and a quarter. So, anyways. So, that's why um, most of the time, the Kestrel, if you set up everything properly, put the correct twist rate in and everything like that, most of the time, it's uh, the Kestrel will over-emphasize um, or, yeah, it'll, yeah, it'll, It'll exaggerate the level of crosswind jump. Um, and this has been widely known um, in places that have a lot of wind, like in the west and uh, basically west of the Mississippi. Uh, and I mean, obviously other people too, but I'm just saying it's been widely known that this, that this um, device overestimates um, uh, crosswind jump and there's been ways to counteract it a long time so like a lot of people for a long time did the half plus one rule so the wind one would be half of the average plus one mile per hour and honestly we come up with the exact same numbers i just don't like to do that two-step jimmy to be able to get me the right elevation so i made sure so i i started playing with it and trying to figure out what uh the best way was to get the proper um the proper uh crosswind jump and I figured out a long time ago that if you increased your twist rate um, to like 12 miles an hour with um, that that would give you the correct um, crosswind jump well the problem was with that well there was no problem with that that was fine uh, but when I found out that there was this hidden menu that was two layers deep um, that's when I figure that out and then you could put all the right inputs in 
and that helps people make um, and helps people feel warm and fuzzy. But when I change it from my so if auto calc is on and I have 12 mile an hour or 12 uh, inch one in 12 uh, twist in and then I have the same another profile with auto calc off and all the right inputs in they come out with the same crosswind jump and they come out with the same spin drift because another thing people didn't um, uh, know as much because it's less of an issue but your spin drift was also also um, overemphasized quite a bit like at 1500 yards with the last time I checked on my six uh, my six dasher with 109s it should be about three and a half tenths of spin drift but if you have the inputs um, in wrong so if you have that if you have a the normal high twist rate in or your normal one and eight twist with auto calc on it will give you uh, like a half a mil so at 1500, it's only a tenth and a half off, but it's still giving you more. It's giving you like three and a half at a thousand, and it should only be about two and a half. So, anyways, that's something. Hopefully, you guys are able to follow along with that. Um, and and I know this is kind of more of a techie uh, episode, but hopefully, hopefully, you're understanding what I'm talking about here. So, to summarize that. I like to run my wind speed if we're going off the same um, example of when I ran the um, numbers. It was a minimum of 4, an average of 7, and a max of 12. I'm probably going to run run it off of my 5 mile an hour um, bracket because I'm probably going to ride a 5, 7, 9, and a, an 11 down because I like to do 2 mile an hour brackets. But I might... I might run it off a of seven, depending on how sustained it is. But even though it doesn't really matter, honestly, sometimes, uh, depending on how I think my dope's lining up, like if I think if I saw one kind of just barely go high on one, depending on which way the wind's gonna go, which direction the wind is, I might try both of them. And and this is just me being me and overthinking things. But I'll just I'll I'll try one. And then I'll try the other. And if I saw one go high and one makes me round down on one of my targets, I'm probably going to run the one that makes me round down one. So just for my da- for my data. But, you know, uh, that's just, that's beside the point. But that's those are some things that you can do. Uh, or, the, or that's what, that's how I run, what I run it off of. Usually it's low average. On my six five, on my six, I probably run dead straight up average, just because I I feel like sometimes that one is a little, little bit more affected, which it is. I mean, if you run the numbers, it is just a slight slightly more affected by crosswind jump. So, all right. Um, but the difference of two miles an hour is not a big deal. So. Let's see. I am using capture in ballistic screen and getting average and max. If I need min, I could subtract it in my head and write on the dope card. Example, four mile an hour average, max of six. If I need minimum, it would be two miles an hour. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, yes, you could subtract it. I just like to have it written down because uh, anything that requires... There is a processing fee 
with every transaction, okay? Meaning there's a fee every time you process something. So and what what do I mean by that? Like if you have to subtract something in your head during a stage, that's that is that's going to cost you something. What is it going to cost you? Well, it distracts you from the stage uh, of what's exactly going on right now. And then it's going to slow you down. It's going to cost you in time. So uh, what I generally do is I like to have it written down so that I've already done the processing. Yeah, I might not have to look at my dope card because I can remember a little bit of it. And then I might have to just glance at it here and there. But I want to know um, ahead of time, like, okay, this is what it is. Um, that's just my my own personal preference. So it's not that hard to write down, if, you know, to hurry and run the numbers in my Kestrel and write it down. Like, I'd probably, probably run my dope off of four and six miles an hour and write that down. But then I might hurry, and now that I – so, and then – because you can put two inputs in at a time in target card. So I'll put target card for all the targets. I'll put four mile an hour and a six mile an hour wind um, in all wind capture. And then I will hurry and write down the dope and the wind for both of those. But then I might go back to all wind capture real fast and run a two and an eight. Just because I can, because I'm going to run two more numbers anyways. May as well run a two. And while I'm at it, since I can put two two in, I'll probably run an eight. And then I'll write both of those down. And here I am with four wind brackets instead of two and then just relying on the fact that I can subtract it. Yes, can you? Yeah, I'm sure you can. Uh, but then that requires you to look and be like, okay, what's the split here? Say say it's a, a four, tenth, four tenths and six tenths. Um, so that means I'm going to subtract that difference of two. Okay, two tenths for the, for the low, for the low wind. I don't know how accurate that is. Uh, it's probably accurate enough, but, uh, but it's going to require me to start thinking about something other than putting the reticle directly in the, and centering up my natural point of aim, centering up my wobble and, and right in the middle of that target and squeezing off a good trigger pull. So that's, so I'm going to, I'm going to try to um, do whatever I can in the preparation phase for a stage to, in order to free up my mind, um, to focus on the task at hand. Uh, my old acronym of what's important now, when, right? When. So what's important now? So that's what I think of all, uh, all the time it's not my acronym it's actually i think it was michael phelps his trainer used to tell him that so like when you're preparing for a stage prepare for all the scenarios like think about if you want to win at this game think what's important now what is important right now uh like it's not what's going on at home it's not it's not uh you know talking with your buddies even though i love to do that it's not you know, anything, you know, you, you flew to the match or you drove clear to the match, you loaded 300 rounds of ammo uh, just so you could come and have a chance to win. So what's important right now? you got to be very present when shooting, in my opinion. And so if you're in between stages trying to get ready um, and you want to be ready so that when you win, so that during those two minutes or 90 seconds or whatever it is, uh, 
that's going to go as smooth as possible and that you can focus on then what's important now. And what's important then? Hitting the targets. And so you want to set yourself up to do so. So for me, I go through my pre-stage process and then I when I, I want to have be prepared for every possible scenario in the best way that I can so that I can then be as efficient as possible to allow me to then in that moment focus on what's important. And so... I'm going to much rather have it all written down and prepare for the scenario situation and all that stuff. Do a little bit of work on the back on the front end so that um while everything's going down, it's a little easier. Um that's that's my opinion. So anyways, I hope that um made sense Mendigus and anybody else listening. Uh it I know it's kind of long-winded and and uh, a little technical, but I do get a lot of questions on on uh, kestrels. So, um, related to this, I heard um, or there's one there's another question I got right here. Um, it's from Dylan Duncan from Instagram. He says I listened to um, an episode that talked about. AJ or aerodynamic jump or crosswind jump, whatever you want to call it. Learned a lot. Question though, what's the difference in all the personal drag models? Uh, 135 burger, for example, there are six different bullets to choose from in PDM. Can you break that down? FYI, I would be definitely interested in take. Oh yeah. Anyways. So, uh, this is, uh, so this one, personal drag models are are from um, there. Burger has, well, sorry, not Burger. Apply Ballistics has a uh, um, a mobile ballistics lab, and so you can shoot over this. You know, it's a super um, cool device. Um, it's got, it's got Doppler and measures your bullet at multiple different ranges out to like a mile or something. It's crazy how far. And it'll track that bullet and map it. Um, it'll map everything out. Um, it'll, you'll shoot like an average of 10. It'll show your your percent BC deviation because it can track the uh, the velocity decay over, over uh, time. Like it's freaking nuts how it can do this. So... But anyway, so it's giving you the exact BC um, of your bullet. And actually, it's not even using BC at that point. It's using the mapped curve that it measured, the average curve, for the particular bullet in your particular rifle. And then it'll you can also see the G7 BC that it, that it gives you um, as well. But that's what those are. That's for people that shot over it. So... And then the names of them or whatever they decided that when they when they filled out the form or whatever they said I want mine to be called this so they could find it then in the library, and then they then they can uh, you can go in and choose that. So there's tons of them in there. Um, so, anyways, that's what those six different bullets are. Is these guys went in and and uh, got their 135 burgers um, mapped and then they can go in and select that personal drag model. That's what personal drag model means. It's personally for yours. A custom drag model is an average that they 
they they compile all this data. So technically, I'm pretty sure they use that data at these personal drag models too, from the personal drag models too. Uh, but they've done a bunch of testing with them in their test rifles, and then I'm sure they take whatever you guys have and then they average all those and then they com they they compile that data together to make a custom drag model that so the average of all the guns shooting that bullet what is it you know so what's the average for everyone and then that's going to give you there and then you can tweak it um from there if you need to um i use g7bc because i can i can tweak it myself i know i've got some questions on this um, there was one very recently, um, that a guy asked me, um, about data collection and truing data, and I'm going to find that while I'm talking, because I think that, that was on, on Facebook Messenger, if I remember right, um, let's see, yeah, right here. It's from Andrew Maskos. We've done an episode on truing your data. I think you remember saying something fast on it. What well, what was the most you add to your G7BC? I love the shooting the dirt tip. Anyways, yeah, and he talks about that. But he says he added uh, 0.01 to his G7. And he's wondering at to true it up at 900 yards. So, okay, um, depends on, that. I mean, that depends. So the important thing is, and this is, this is where I think people, so if we want to talk about data real fast, um, and the Kestrel and all that, because why not? I've already, uh, talked your ear off for quite a long time, so may as well just keep going, but, uh, so... People get very emotional about data. And, w and what do I mean by that? I mean, people really, really want um, to, you know, they, they paid all this money for a lab radar. And then they, uh, and then they, uh, they bought this $900 Kestrel. And they've got this gun and there's everything they've 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 track tested their scope maybe probably not but anyways so point is is they 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 want their numbers they want to be able to just go to their lab radar type in that that number and then type in the number off the box of their bullets which as i said before they're very similar to custom drag models um, how they get that is by shooting that bullet through a bunch of different rifles and averaging what the BC is in all the rifles. I'm pretty sure applied ballistics I I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to Well, maybe I will. I I I think applied ballistics gets the um BCs for burger to put on their box. I think. But I don't know. Uh I know that uh um but I do know that the BCs on the burger boxes I mean that's some. They're usually pretty, pretty right on the money. Uh, I think Hornady's have. I think they're pretty good. They but they have these. Uh, they have different. Um, I uh, can't remember what the heck they call theirs. But anyways, the 
the BCs are um, generally fairly accurate on the box. Not saying they're always accurate because you it you say your bore is a half a thou tighter than the guy standing next to you, or even a quarter thou tighter. That's going to increase your BC because it's going to um, it's going to decrease the diameter of your bullet. So it's going to make it slip through the air a little bit more. You know, like, I don't know, there's there's all these different factors that can play into what ends up uh, um, affecting the BC, and that's fine. The, but uh, you're also, you could have um, error in your chronograph data. You could also have an error, and the reason is you can have error from your chronograph data is because the chances that a five-shot um, average is going to represent... Uh, the the average over 200 rounds is not all that great uh probably but it, and it's going to be within 5 feet per second probably depending on how good your your loads are but say say your loads aren't that great probably not going to be an, a super good representation of what the average is and you probably should shoot a few more rounds um not going to but but like we're saying it's still going to be low low deviation um so, most of the time, those box BCs are are fairly close, and and but we put all this stuff in, and say you put it all in, you like I know all this data. I I got it. I got it from a from this expensive lab radar, and I put that BC in from the box, and then I just I just got my Kestrel out and I put it in my Kestrel and I updated the weather, and I made sure everything was just perfect, and I missed. <laughs> <laughs> right over the top of that target. <laughs> okay, like and and then and then people will will uh they don't want to they don't want to just like immediately change and just like you have to be emotionless. Like there ha needs to be zero emotion when you're say you're shooting a match, the next shot like you shot right over top of the target with the right data in or whatever instead of just shooting it again uh a lot of times, like say it's a half mil plate, and I clear the top of that plate, maybe I got a fast round. Maybe. Maybe I got a fast round and I got 2% or a 1% uh, BC deviation. Maybe that's on the high, that's the extreme of that and the extreme of my velocity, and it goes right over top of the target. Plus, I was on the high side of my group, which is probably about a tenth of a mil maybe even more who knows especially at that distance so now we're on the high end of that with the high end of the bc you know and then i'm getting close to the top of the plate maybe plus i have a little bit of um that that could maybe maybe account for some of it it's not all of it though you also could have deviations in your in your natural point of aim say your say your wobble was on the top half of the plate and so um and people don't understand that, but say if you're if your wobbles on the top half of the plate and you try to break it in the middle, you're having to engage muscles to get there. Uh, it's not going to be a good situation. You're going to shoot over a lot of targets. That could be that. But say everything else, say every, everything's good, and you just you broke that shot right in the middle. You're rock solid. Boom, go over the top of the target. And I I don't think you should question yourself even in the other situations. In my opinion, if you go over top of a target, the next shot you should hold. I don't think I would hold the bottom of the plate, but I would hold 
unless I knew for sure, like, oh my gosh, that's way high, or something like that. I'm going to hold uh, bottom, like just inside of the bottom edge, or just, you know, like, say it's a half a mil, I'm probably going to hold a tenth from the bottom or something like that. So, so now I'm shading in the bottom. And what's that doing? Well, that's going to account for all that other stuff, hopefully, right? That's going to give me the best chance of hitting the plate. I'm using the plate. I, I've talked about using the plate um, on this before on this same episode earlier. Um, I'm going to use it again. I'm just going to shade low on the plate. So now that's going to give me everything, right? So say it was something to do with my rifle, my load, and everything like that, and now I'm back. Now I see I hit the bottom of the plate, or I hit the middle. Okay, well, then I know my data. Something is off. You know, in my data, maybe, probably not my data, but it could be my data. Um, more than likely, if you're two-tenths high um, or whatever, it's going to be zero issues. But but like I say, it doesn't matter, though, because you're shooting right now, uh, and you got to get this done. So... Now what am I going to do? If that hits the middle of the plate, now I know, okay, it's probably a little high there. And I might just take some time after the stage is over to rearrange that target and correct the range and make sure that range is correct and make sure everything, I all the inputs were right, make sure everything was correct. And a lot of times I can explain something away and be like, okay, there was this and there was this and there was this that all compounded and ended up making it to where I missed over top of that plate. Uh, you know, whether that's crosswind jump was wrong, uh, whether that, uh, you know, plus, you know, we were, the yardage was five yards off. I didn't input the angle of five degrees in, which isn't much, but when it's all compounded and all ends up working against you, you know, whatever. Most of the time I'm going to try to put all that in first because I, I like to range every target. Anybody that shot with me knows that, all that type of stuff. Anyways, so there's that, but... Um, so you just have to be willing to just accept the fact that there, there is error. There could be an error in your stuff and it just is what it is. But so I, and the reason why I like to use G7 and, and people probably, um, boohoo at this or whatever is it's more controllable. So I can, I can get a PDM and I can look at a PDM and a personal drag model. And which, um, and I can I can true the 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 G7 to where they match to like 1500 yards within 0 0.01 of each other all the way at every hundred yards. So if I can do that with a G7, th that means the G7 is pretty good at representing what what the curve um, of our bullet is shaped like. Um, it's pretty good at mapping it. So. But I can control it a lot easier um, than the other um, methods. So the other thing that can be scope error. A lot of times people don't realize there's error in these scopes. Um, uh, I track test every one of my scopes. Most of the Leopolds that I've I've had are within, or they're basically dead nuts. Every now and again, you'll get one that's a half a tenth, you know, in 10 mils or 12 and a half mils is what I usually do it to. Um, and that's be just because at a hundred yards, I got a, uh, a yard stick. And so it's easy. I can, I can map out to 12 and a half and then I don't have to have another yard stick there too. So I use a yard stick that's leveled and everything like that. So I can check everything. Um, and I, and I just, 
you know, go and make sure everything lines up dead nuts and then and we're good. And I check it every so often just to make sure because I don't want to I don't want to find out at a match that my scope is not dead nuts. So, you know, there is that. Um so there's other things going on. And so but it, who cares if your scope is this or that? If cuz if you go to the range and you put in uh um and I had this happen a while a, a long time ago. I I was running a BC that was way higher than everybody else by like uh, I think it was a, a 109 and and everybody's running 300 and I was running like 310 or 315 or 312 I mean um, to get everything to line up out to like 1100 and uh, I was like what the frick this is weird and it threw me off well to come to find out the scope was the scope track like two tenths rich or whatever but it didn't matter I he- I heard of um, other people having the same issue, but I never noticed it because my, I just had my I had it accounted for in my BC. So if you so I don't like to true velocity because I want to still be able to show up to the range and use whatever my chronograph data is. So I true my BC to my own chronograph and I take my own chronograph to every match, and and so um, so I true my BC and I and I want to set that. Now if I'm having to move two tenths on my BC. Most of the time, there's an, uh, something is wrong with my zero, and who knows what it is. So what you do is you go check the zero, you know, like something might have happened. You might have hit your brake on the last stage or or something like that. Something's There's more other error in there most of the time. And so I would check that. And I like to true BC on a very low wind day. Like we're talking like I want it dang near dead calm. And I want to – and I put in – and I ve- – I, very much make sure that every piece of of data that I can put in direction of fire the 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 latitude in my kestrel is updated uh the um the wind direction is is spot on the the angle of fire the the direction and the inclination everything is accounted for in there so that when I um pull the trigger I know that it's dead nuts, and I also like to, if I can, ha- that my that all that is, and I like to shoot it over the chronograph at the same time a lot of times, so that then I know without a doubt what the BC, and I'll see you'll see a round go a little bit high in your group, and then you look over and the velocity was just a little higher, and then you see the next one goes dead center, and that's about right by your average, and then you'll see that once you know that you're getting there and you're at say a thousand or twelve hundred yards. Now you know, okay, I probably got everything lined up just right. And then that gives you a lot of confidence in your data. So when you show up to a place because you dropped, you know, 4,000 foot of elevation or 3,000 foot of elevation and now suddenly your velocity is 20 feet per second faster, you just put your velocity 20 feet per second faster. And to your rifle system, your specific rifle system, your data will line up. That's what I'm going for. So... That's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, techie talk and a lot of me talking. So thanks for listening, and um, hopefully that answers these questions um, that that you guys have had, or some of these questions. Um, yeah, I hopefully hopefully um, hopefully that answers that. So first thing, if I'm adding if I'm adding uh, 
10 to my G7 at a match. If it's out of match, I don't even care. I will change whatever number. So this is a side note. I will change whatever number at a match. It does not matter. I do not care. I will change anything to make that data line up because I don't give a crap what the inputs are as long as the data lines up. Because I don't. Because that's not the numbers being right. The inputs, them being the actual real world inputs or whatever, that doesn't matter at all. What matters is the fact that that whatever um, the, your your data that you're given is correct. So if for some reason stuff ain't lining up, don't just keep doing that same thing because the Kestrel told you so, but the Kestrel's been lying to you. Who cares? Like yeah, that's what I mean by you got to remove emotion from it uh, and just just automatically react to the situation. Be be dynamic. Be willing to just be like oh, okay. I was going a little high. Maybe I want to start rounding down, or you know, I don't know. I'm not saying make these 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 uh big jumps, right? But I would I would be I would be I would absorb a hundred percent of the information that you see w when you pull the trigger downrange. Like if you see elevation, take note of it, and don't you know you miss you miss over top of one target, shade low on the next shot, and then you hit it in dead center. Then you go to the next target, and you and you hold dead center, and you hit top of plate. Well, then shade low again, and then you go to the next target. I'm probably going to just shade low, and then see what happens. And then, and then if I hit middle, then I'm going to stay there. If I hit bottom, I'm going to go back. And I'm, then I'm going to start thinking, okay, well that means maybe these tar two targets are off, or whatever. And I'm going to use that information to my advantage. This is just talking about match shooting. But yes, if I'm at home and I'm doing this, trying to true my data, or if it's before the match or whatever, I'm going to start thinking, okay, how's my zero? Check my zero. Okay, my zero is dead nuts, spot on. Perfect. Okay, now I'm going to check my velocity. Make sure that that's dead nuts, spot on. Um, and... And then I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna see, okay. And I'm also, I'm 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 gonna make sure. And if it's at a match and you don't have it, the luxury of waiting for the proper wind conditions, I'm gonna put my zero in. You make sure that you put the wind in at 100 yards and make sure your zero is um, correct because what people don't understand is crosswind jump is not a is not compounded as it goes so it's not it's not like it gets greater as the distance grows it's it, it's something that happens in the first 60 yards of bullet flight it happens as the bullet stabilizes and turns and yaws into the wind that's when your that's when your aerodynamic jump happens and it's not really jumping it's just for a minute it either resists gravity or by and that's because the wind is lifting on it a little bit and so it just doesn't fall as fast or if it's coming from the other direction, so if that's if it comes from right to left, or le yeah, right to left. If it comes from left to right, it's gonna it's gonna accelerate the 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 drop a little bit, um, just for and just until it stabilizes. When it stabilizes, then it's gonna stay there and and resist, or, and and not resist, but but then then it'll just stay right where it's at. It just kind of just has to just hurry and get acclimated to what the wind's doing, and then keep going. Well, either right there it either falls a little faster than expected or uh, or doesn't fall as fast as expected for that split second 
And uh, anyways, so at 100 yards, your crosswind jump is going to be there in all its glory. So if it's a right to left, full value, 10 mile an hour crosswind, you're probably going to have 0.07 left, or you're going to be like, or you're going to be like, you're going to have, that means you're zero. If it's right to left, it's probably going to be a tenth high and a tenth left. Probably. Maybe 0.07 um, left and the tenth high is about where, where it's going to be. So if, if you pull the trigger and you see it go and you held dead center and, you're, and your zero's a tenth high and a tenth left in a full value right um, crosswind jump from right or full value crosswind from right to left, I would just be like, okay, that's great. That's where it should be. And so, but now all of a sudden, say you dial a tenth right and dial a tenth down and be like, now my zero's on, and you and you cut the center on it. I don't expect to cut the center of my zero when I'm in a wind like that. So, it, but if but if I if I do, then I know my zero's probably off. And so then I need to start thinking like, okay, that's why my so that's why my BC is off or whatever, you know, because I. I dropped. Now I'm now I'm having to decrease my BC to overcompensate for the tenth low that I have built into my zero. So, yeah. Anyways, again, that's my. Uh, I felt like I've tried to wrap this thing up about ten times now, but so point is is you need to make sure. That your your zero is is good um, when you're having to do that type of stuff, but like I say, at a match, I don't care what the inputs are. I'll fix it later. I just do whatever do whatever I can right then to make sure that, that it gives me the right data each and every time I I I need it to. So hopefully that answers uh, y'all's questions. Um, but I. If I have a good chronograph first, I true the BC, and I and I do it to whatever it needs to be after having a good zero, and making and I but and then I want to make sure if it's way off of what everybody else has, I'm probably going to track test my scope if everything's right, um, even though it doesn't really matter because now your BC is true to your scope. And yes, guys are going to argue. Well, if you have a 310 instead of a 300 BC in, well, that means you're going to you're not going to um, um, have the like you're not going to have the right wind. Really? Have you ever ran the numbers on that, boys? It's not that much different. Like we're talking about, like maybe at a thousand in a full value 10 mile an hour crosswind, it's going to tell you point. Uh, let's let's call it point eight. Right or 0.83 right. Either way, you're holding eight tenths, so uh, it don't matter. It does not matter at all. So, it, what does matter is the fact that you dialed 7.2 and hit the dead center of that target. That's what matters. And you held eight tenths for wind. So those are the important things. Instead of ended up having um, Instead of your scope tracking rich or something like that, and you you dialed seven four and went, or you dialed, uh, sorry, and you dialed seven. Yeah, you dialed seven four, which is the actual data, and ended up sailing over top of it. But then you true your BC to that, 
and you're like seven two, and boom, now you're hitting center on everything. That's that's the important thing. So, hopefully that answers the questions. I got a it's a it's a long, long winded lot of me talking. It's weird, uh, but I just wanted to do <laughs> answer some um, questions at Q and A um, by myself for a minute. So, anyways, thanks for listening. And uh, like I say, if you have any questions. Uh, seems like Facebook Messenger for like getting, like say, getting the the turret wrap file is the best um, is the best place to uh, um, get that. Uh, so I can send that to you. But yeah, Facebook or Instagram, hit me up. I'll I'm more than willing to, to answer the questions. Anyways, so yeah, but like say I. Hopefully, I've been really enjoying the interaction with uh, with um, you guys, and uh, be able to hopefully help some people. It seems like I've been uh, I've got a lot of uh, positive feedback from people listening. Um, I that's why I started this is to hopefully help people out within their shooting, and and if I can if I can pass on some of the inf- information. And, the knowledge that I've gained over the years of shooting, I'm more than willing to do that because, you know, there was other people that did, did this type of stuff for me that, um, you know, put that, this information out there for people to get a hold of. And, you know, it, it, it really helped me. And I just, this is my way of giving back to them is, um, by helping other people, um, learn, and uh if there's any ideas you guys have on on content that you guys um want to hear um let me know and uh i appreciate you guys um listening in it's phil cashin's birthday today so want to wish him a happy birthday uh he's been with me since the beginning he's one of my my first sponsors um uh, uh he's a great guy um takes good care of me but uh, he makes, honestly, I truly believe he makes the best chassis in the game. Uh, it, you know, they're they're comfortable, they fit to you, they're they're solid, well thought out. I mean, Phil is a a talented shooter, but and and on top of that, it would be easy for a guy like him that has a ton of experience in the shooting world and shooting matches. Um, to just be like, no, nope, this is what I think, and this is how I think it ought to be set up, because I know, because I shoot. Um, but he doesn't. He he listens to other people. He listens to shooters and takes that input, and he and he continues to improve upon his product, and it shows. You know, when when you see something new come out from Phil, it's not just from two or three people deciding, hey, or or just him going, yeah, this is a good idea. Uh, no, he's, he's, he's talked to multiple people and thought about it and tested it and tried it until he found something that was an actual improvement over something else that's going to give you an advantage by running his product. So yeah, happy birthday, Phil. And I love what you do. Love what you do for me. And I love the, I love the stocks or the chassis. So anyways, Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk at you later.